Here we are on Wednesday, the 11th of September. Going to spend some time praying from the words of Exodus chapter 32, verses 7 through 14. This is year C, proper 19, or the 14th Sunday after Pentecost. So we'll read, we'll reflect, and we'll pray together this morning. Exodus chapter 32, verses 7 through 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go down because your people, whom you brought up out of Egypt, have become corrupt. They have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them, and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it, and have said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses. They are a stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them, and that I may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. But Moses sought the favor of the Lord his God. Lord, he said, "Why why should your anger burn against your people, whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say, It is with evil intent that he brought them out, to kill them in the mountains, and to wipe them off the face of the earth? Turn from your first anger, relent, and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, to whom you swore by your own self. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will make your descendants as all this land as I promised, and they will be their inheritance forever. Then the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster that he had threatened. This is the word of God. Here are a couple thoughts from Exodus chapter 32 before we turn to a time of prayer. Uh, This is a famous story. It's one that many of us have heard before, even those who might be new to the Bible. This is the point where God had led Israel up out of Egypt, and they had, at this point, they had seen God deliver them. They walked on dry ground through the Red Sea. Um, They had taken a journey into the wilderness for quite some time, and Moses was up on top of the mountain of God, receiving instruction and getting further details about the future days of Israel as he spent time with God. But down below the people got antsy, the people lost their way, and they were led astray by Moses' brother Aaron, and they fashioned a golden calf, and they began to worship it as if the golden calf had led them up out of Egypt instead of God Almighty. So I guess we could find it reasonable that God would be angry. We see that God's fiercely angry in this passage. He has done so much for the people of Israel. He um, has shown wonder after wonder. And this this group of people, this great nation, has refused uh, to follow God's ways. So when you're on top of the mountain, we see that God has had enough. He is ready to start over and to start over with Moses and his family. But this is a powerful passage of Scripture because Moses reasons with God. I think this is a, a powerful image of God particularly in his relationship to human beings. Um, this is not a God who stands far off, who leaves a guessing game uh, to his people for them to try to figure out if, if they've pleased God or if they've dishonored God. Nor is God uh, made in such a humanly form that he's barely distinct from the average human being. This God is, is among us, but this God is also way bigger than us, and he is before us, and he's after us. 
And how wonderful that God would even entertain this back and forth, this bantering with Moses. Moses, of course, is humble during this exchange, but he reminds God of all the promises that he has made to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Israel. He reasons with God on perhaps a moral ground where he's trying to tell God how, how terrible would it be, how unfortunate would it be that the Egyptians go back to their homeland and they profane your name because of your, uh, at least your thoughts right now to destroy this people. And so Moses has court with God and God and Moses share the same opinion after their interaction. Now this is quite the view of how God interacts with human beings, that God would descend and allow a reasoning from a human being to be considered. And I think this is an important time for us to pray. pray. One of the things that we do, the privilege that we have in prayer, is not just to pray for our own needs, but to pray for the needs of others. Uh, in, the, in the Christian faith, we call this intercession. The word intercession simply comes from the idea of a lawyer in a courtroom who stands before the judge and with um, a civilian trying to plead the case from the civilian towards the judge and interpreting the judge's um, courtroom banter back towards the civilian who's unaware of that information and of that jargon. So in the same way, we bring requests to God for the sake of somebody else and we listen on their behalf as well and we try to implore the person that we're praying for as we spend time with God. And so perhaps what we're called to this morning as we think about Exodus 32 is how we might plead for the case of others, how we might plead for the needs of others. So that'll be the heart of our prayer this morning as we turn to God in prayer now. God, we turn to a time of prayer now after reflecting upon the scripture text. And God, we thank you for this day that's in front of us. Some of us got great sleep last night. We feel rested and we kicked off the pajamas and we were eager to face this day. God, others of us, we tossed and turned um, or we're overcoming an illness or we've been stressed the last several days. And even though we rested, we feel like it wasn't deep enough. And so we face this day from perhaps many different places. And so no matter if we're well rested or if we're barely rested, we thank you for another day. We think that this day opens up before us. We pray like the ancients have prayed, that our soul would rise up to meet you as the day rises to meet the sun, that we'd be eager for today, that we consider it all as a gift, as good as you had uh, gave that affirmation to all of creation in the first chapter of the Bible. We consider the moments in front of us as good. So as we come with that posture of prayer, a posture of gratitude, we thank you for the opportunity that we receive to reason with you as Moses reasoned with you. We thank you, God, that the burden of prayer that we have is not just to pray for our own needs, not just to think for our own selves, but to also consider the interests of others. And so, God, we pray for those who our hearts are heavy for this morning. We pray for a loved one, perhaps a spouse or a child, uh, because of the shape of their decisions or because of the challenges that they face, they need someone else to pray with them. They need to recruit all the help they can to pray for their need. And so, God, this morning, we lift up their need. We carry the other end of that heavy load, and we carry it with them, and we walk with them this day. 
God, maybe it's a physical ailment, and we pray that you would uh, send a healing word over their sickness in Jesus' name. We thank you for the promises of Scripture that by the wounds of Jesus Christ, we have been healed. And so, God, we pray for an application of the finished work of the cross over every sickness in Jesus' name. God, we have uh, friends, we have loved ones who seem to be down on their luck of sorts. Uh, they've had mishap after mishap. They've had a broken down car. They've had uh, unfraying of a relationship. Uh, they've had difficulties in their workplace. Um, they've had too much work to try to get done in, in a single day, and they feel lost, and they feel hopeless. God, we pray that, uh, as the scripture tells us, that against hope, they can still hope. And so, God, I pray for an extraordinary amount of hope for our loved ones today. I pray that they would text us, or they would call us, and they would have an enthusiasm in their words, that they would have a skip in their step, that they might feel energized because of a breakthrough, because of a development in their life today. I pray that they would simply testify to us this day that they've turned a corner because of your goodness. And we pray for people in other parts of the world who seem to be without hope. And we pray for the persecuted church that is scared to death, that looks over their shoulders, that have to write in code and they have to whisper in their meetings because of the harm that could come to them because of their faith. God, we pray that you would strengthen them today. God, we pray uh, for those parts of our world that are war-torn, that divide families, that uh, cause people to be displaced. Lord, we pray that you would intervene in those communities and that you'd bring a long-awaited and long-desired peace in those regions. God, we pray uh, at the time of this uh, recording, we pray for those areas of our world that were devastated by Hurricane Dorian. And God, I simply pray that you would give them hope today, that they would not wake up hope with a hopelessness, but they would wake up with enthusiasm, that they would wake up with imagination and ideas, that you would provide aid and hospital resources and building resources and building plans and local leadership that could coordinate relief and development efforts so they could recover from this devastation in Jesus' name. God, we thank you for the opportunity to stand in the gap for loved ones. God, we pray that you would add to us a burden of prayer for others. And may we give ourselves no rest and give you no rest until you respond to their needs. So God, this day we thank you for the chance to hold court with you, to bear burdens for others. And we pray that you'd move mightily through our prayers. I ask these things in Jesus' name.